Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Good morning, St. Louis. Welcome to the sauna. It's Hancock and Kelly on this miserably hot and humid Friday. Top of the morning to you, John Hancock. It's lovely out there. I kind of liked it this morning. Buddy, I felt like I had walked into a steam room the second I went out to the car. Is that right? You you didn't get that? You didn't start to sweat immediately? No. uh -uh. I just walked, strolled out to the car. Little breeze was wafting through the air. There was no breeze last night, I can tell you this. I went to... uh, Downtown West to see St. Louis uh, SC play Americo. I think that's their name. America. Uh, uh, they played. The, a, they played the, against America. Yeah, last and a Mexican soccer team. Who they, were they just, Mexican or were they American? They're Mexican, but right. you know the the Mexicans live in America as well. Well, apparently, so do the Brazilians. That's if you why think we about need to it. build the wall now. and the Chileans. Uh-huh. And, oh, uh huh. Oh, the uh, the uh, Americas. Hey now, you're talking North well, and you South. You can't America. get nothing behind you, brother. Yeah, yeah. All right. So last night, boy, oh boy, can this new stadium hold the heat? Uh, yeah. I think I went to the coldest game of the year, which was like the second or third game where it was colder than any Rams football game I'd ever been to. Sounds pretty good now. And well, the Rams played inside. Well, I mean, they played at the beginning yeah, outside. Yeah, I don't like to talk, but I know my football history in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then last night, I had to have gone to the hottest game. It was a miserably hot game, and it was not a good performance How'd for we the do? St. Louis. It was 4 nothing. we lost. We lost to the Co- Americas. Our keeper is so good. What's his name? Uh, Berkey? Uh, Berkey. Because uh, had it not been for him, that game could have easily been 7-8 to eight to nothing really? last night. It was quite a performance that the... Mexican team put on. Now, this is kind of one of those weird things. It's not a part of their league. Uh, it's yeah, a I don't special understand this. cup series. So they're they're off for like a month here, right? Yeah. And they're playing. Uh, that's, that's So they're odd. playing what's called uh, the Cups League. Isn't that what it's called? League's Cup. League's Cup. And it's all the Hispanic Mexican uh, Cup are teams like us. Uh-huh. And then all the American MLS and Canadian MLS teams. They play in a giant tournament. And then ultimately they'll play for this cup. So it's kind. Of, it was kind of fun to be there. In particular, it was interesting, John. It was what they called a neutral site game. Except it was on our home. But it was at a home field game for St. Louis. They're not playing any of these games down in Mexico uh, because of the heat and the lack of infrastructure and a myriad of other issues. So they're playing them here in America. So it was kind of interesting to go into the ball start to the soccer park, the pitch last night. And see half of the field or half of the crowd was wearing yellow jerseys. They're rooting the for Mexican Club team. America is what, yes. they're, what they're doing. All the words on the, the, the printed advertisements were in uh, Spanish. Uh, most of the music they played was of Latin uh, variety. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was quite a unique international like experience here in the heart of the Midwest. So, not being an expert in uh, the sport of soccer, that'd be an understatement. Let me uh, let me surmise that perhaps the first place team in the Western Division, uh, mm-hmm. St. Louis City SC, that perhaps the MLS is not the highest well, caliber of professional soccer that exists out there. One one could deduce that thought process. You could also think, boy, it was 100 and something degrees and the Mexican teams are more used to that. 
uh, and that maybe we had an off night. Uh, but yeah, you couldn't help but walk away and think we got a little ways to go from the from an MLS perspective. Well, no question about that. He's Michael Kelly. I'm John Hancock. Let's turn our attention now. Now back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Well, this is Hancock and Kelly, the radio show, where every Friday from 8.30 to 11 right here at KMOX, we stick around from 10 to 11 with Amy Marks, course, and Chris Ranji, the Chris and Amy show. Don't forget you can see us on Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Fox 2 right here in St. Louis, but it's time for us to talk politics, John. Yes. Hey, John. Yes. There's a politician in Washington, D.C. that's almost 80 years old, or is 80 years old plus, uh, has a hard time uh, keeping their thoughts together, sometimes Mm. gets frozen, Mm. uh, has even made mistakes and tripped and fell, and uh, a lot of people are saying they're old and they shouldn't run for office. Any idea who I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking about Mitch McConnell, and you're talking about, (laughs) uh, what's her name from California? Darren Feinstein? Yes. uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Chuck Grassley. Boy, the list goes on and on. in his 90s, and, uh, you know, Mitch had that... Disturbing episode a couple days ago. Sad to watch. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they said anything definitive about whether it was like a TIA stroke or, or something. Uh, appears to be fine now. He came back later that day and finished his, his press conference. Now, he obviously, he had some kind of an episode. Um, and he's slowing down. There's no question about it. But he's still very sharp, is McConnell. I mean, he, he knows he knows what's going on. Uh, and he's, you know, he's driving the bus uh, for the minority party in the in but the U.S. Senate. Timely. Uh, well, first of all, it was hard to watch. Uh, it was sad, but it was timely that it's popped up. And then, you know, less than what twelve hours later, Diane Feinstein finds herself in a confusing spot where she doesn't know if she's supposed to talk or vote. Uh, of course, this is on top of the press conference that the president had earlier with one of our international guests. Where yeah, he lost did you his- see that the the president of Israel? I was woof. Yeah, he lost his train of thought, I mean, almost as if he was falling asleep. Uh, yeah. What's going on with people that we are so obsessed with names that have been a part of our lives for 30 or 40 years and that new blood's not coming into politics? Well, you're getting some. The, the Congress is now younger um, on average than it had been previously. So, But, you know, the 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 tendency for people to get elected to office and never leave is is high and there was a long time that i favored term limits i don't favor them any longer but i can certainly appreciate and understand why people do support term limits because you know folks don't leave and voters more often than not tend to just return the people that they've always voted for and that's been that's been going on for a long time yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of term limits. Uh, I also don't think there ought to be an age limit. I think voters ought to get out and participate. Uh, and I think you're right. I mean, first of all, the baby boomers do show up and vote. Uh, as a result, the electorate skews older. Yeah, there are not many of us left. Though. Yeah, the folks in Generation X and younger, we show up in presidential cycles, uh, but we don't see them often in the other campaigns. And as a result... Uh, I think we're reflective of those who are showing up to vote. So there's a big criticism and all this talk that we ought to limit how old people are going to be. Hey, you know what? If people send Marjorie Taylor Greene or Cori Bush or uh, Chuck Grassley and Dianne Feinstein to Congress, guess what? That's what's called democracy. That's what voting's all about. I think the problem's really with the voters, not the politicians. And then you and I come from 
the political world where there is something enticing, I'm sure, for Mitch McConnell and oh, Diane sure. Feinstein to be involved yeah. in every important issue at every moment of their lives. I mean, there's nothing that's tackled in Congress that's trivial or futile. It's fun to be in the mix of it, and maybe it's part of what keeps them alive. Well, there's no doubt. I remember, oh, several years ago, my son uh, did an internship for the National Republican Senatorial Committee right. in Washington. And they sent him to Mississippi to campaign for Senator Thad Cochran, who was in his, uh, well into his 80s, uh, not particularly all with it. Uh, and he got reelected. He didn't make it through his term. But he won the election that year, and, uh, you know, that that was a guy, and it was pretty well known that he was failing, uh, but he, he won re-election. Well, we've been talking about octogenarians. Let's talk about one who's about to become one. He also might become an inmate. That'd be the former president of the United States. More uh, charges released yesterday, uh, continuing to build the narrative around the uh, documents case at both um, Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster. Uh, what did they add on? Four more charges? Three, more, Three to, more to Donald Trump, and they added another defendant, uh, the fellow uh, Carlos de Oliveira, who is, uh, was the director, head of maintenance at Mar-a-Lago. Can you believe that? The maintenance guy is probably going to go to jail for this guy now. Well, it's interesting. You know, they'd set the trial date for May of next year. Now you've got a new slew of lawyers. I've heard competing opinions from folks as to whether this is going to, you know, materially delay that trial could, I suppose. We're going to have our CBS News uh, legal analyst, Thane Rosenbaum, with us uh, next hour. And that's one of the questions I want to pose to him is what does this do to the timeline of the case? And of course, we sit here and wait for the January 6th case indictment to come down. That could be as early as today. Most likely it'll be on Tuesday. That's when the grand jury's been meeting on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, in Washington, D.C. on that case. But with more to say about this uh, new indictment, I guess my only uh, comment is that having read now both of these indictments. <laughs> um, Felt like you were reading a Godfather uh, well, movie? I mean, it's, you know, if there's if there's a case that is more solid than this, I don't know what it would contain. Because it, it seems to me, on its face, uh, you're not allowed to have the records. You've got the records. You were asked to get back the records. You get back some of the records. You're subpoenaed to give back the records. <laughs> then you say destroy and, the server. And then, and then you're subpoenaed to turn over your surveillance tape, and then you, you know, endeavor. I don't think they did actually at the end of the day end up destroying any tape. But, I mean, it's, it's a linear, easily understood, you know, clearly within the confines of the statute <clears throat> uh, legal case, it seems to me. What's not understood is why people continue to support him and ultimately well, they do. may win the Republican nomination. I think, I mean, as we sit here today, I think that's still the more likely outcome. Now, the other legal case of yeah, note I was going to say, happened that's not week. the only one that happened this week. Now, what do you make of this? Maybe we can ask Thane about this, too, because the, the Hunter Biden plea agreement, you know, it was so he pleads guilty, agrees to plead guilty to two misdemeanor counts uh, of tax evasion, not reporting income and therefore not paying taxes on it. And then they set aside his gun conviction where he fraudulently filled out an affidavit saying that he was not a drug addict when he was a drug addict and he purchased the gun and then brandished the gun uh, in inappropriate ways. That's a crime that's punishable by 10 years. In fact, you know who sponsored that bill? <laughs> Joe Biden? Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so he's not going to be charged on that, but he was going to have a court 
overseeing uh, diversion program where right. he would take some classes, and if he kept his hands clean, then that charge would be expunged. So that was a plea agreement that they went in there with. And the, they're having the discovery, and the judge is asking some questions, and the judge says, are there other, is there other investigations going on about this, uh, about this defendant? And the U.S. Justice Department said yes. And the judge says, under this agreement, uh, is he, you know, is he going to be held harmless for any future investigations? And the Justice Department said no, at which time Hunter Biden's lawyer said, then there is no deal. We're going to plead not guilty. How do you get that far to the the process and not understand the deal? Now, I got to tell you, it sounds a little crazy that he would be immune from any future prosecution well, and if there's an ongoing investigation. Right. How do you become immune? How do you make a unless plea you, deal? Unless you proffered. What's that word? Proffered? You yeah. know, unless you proffered and you're sitting there and you're giving information to the government, then I guess you can have some type of an immunity deal. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Right. And then, you know, the, the judge is kind of getting saddled with they were the one who threw the wrench in this. It wasn't. No. Uh, there was a misunderstanding between. And Clearly. you would think that. I mean, you can't imagine that they got B-team level folks from the prosecution side working this. And surely Hunter Biden, the son of the former or son of the current president, has got the most qualified lawyers you can find. How it gets to this point. And here's the other thing. So he he didn't report income for, I think, two years is what they had in this plea agreement. Now, supposedly, the investigation of Hunter Biden has been going on for five years. It does not take five years to bring a tax case. What else are they investigating? We don't know. Uh, might they be investigating influence peddling? Might they be investigating things that involve the president? We don't know. But uh, the, the Justice Department definitely has egg on their face over this thing. And, and I suspect there's a lot more here than meets the eye. Yeah, we will uh, continue to follow that. I think it's going to be, guess what, Hunter Biden and Donald Trump watch all weekend long. We'll continue to keep you updated on all that here at KMOX. Would be remiss, John, before we went away here to not talk about the layoffs that are taking over place over at InBev. Uh, of course, this is on the heels of the Bud Light controversy with the transgender uh, influencer. Uh, a lot of people got up in arms over a beer can. Uh, and now, as a result, Budweiser's or Bud Light's no longer the best-selling beer in the country. Well, that is true. Uh, Modelo is. Lots of it was being drinking last night at the uh, soccer game. And uh, and now 2% of their staff uh, are being laid off across the country. And that has an impact right here in St. Louis as we're the United States headquarters. Well, it, it, it does. Now, I think you can't make the case that it exclusively is because of the transgender beer can. Uh, I think beer sales generally have been sluggish uh, industry-wide for a while now. So that's clearly part of this equation. But it didn't help uh, Anheuser-Busch and Bev to not understand who their customer is in this thing. And they, they did real damage to their brand. There's no arguing that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Hey, that's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. We're going to dig a little deeper into the latest indictments on the president. We're going to talk about UFOs. Hey, it's hot out there. The Cardinals are about to look a lot different. We're going to talk about it today on KMOX, aren't we, my friend? (laughs) Yeah, UFOs. 
I uh, I have a theory about the UFOs. We'll break that down. The news is next on The Voice of St. Louis, Cable X. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. You uh, had sisters? Did you guys play with Barbies when you were a kid? Mary Catherine did. Did she? Uh, she had a, my daughter, she had a big giant Barbie head that just uh, sat there and she could do hair and makeup on, on Barbie's head. So I had five sisters. Kind of creepy at, looking. Yeah, I was at the end of it. I don't remember Barbies being a part of our life. I mean, I, I, of course, I, a Barbie doll or two, I guess, was in the house, but I don't remember us really ever playing Barbies. Yeah. But I'm I'm watching this. I don't know, fever that's taking place on social media and in nearly everything you watch on television. Even the uh, news anchors are dressing up in pink outfits well, and stuff over and, and, Barbie. And, you know, I don't had, get it. And it. Well, it had a bigger marketing budget than film actually cost to shoot. Really? Uh, and so that's one reason it's uh, saturated. But a lot of people are going to. I have no interest or desire to go see the Barbie movie. I understand it's kind of woke uh, from what I hear. I wonder if folks have seen the Barbie movie, 436-7900, It's quite a phenomenon. Well, and uh, like I say, it's not my cup of tea. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard from a couple of younger women that I had run into. They said it was awesome and that it really has a strong and powerful message. I talked to some older uh, folks and older women uh, who were like, hey, I thought it was a, a bit insulting, you know, the way they treated Ken. I don't know the plot line, Ken. but I think the plot line is something along Ken. the lines of um, Ken is living in what Barbie's reality is, the expectations that women have, and the way oh, they look, the way I they're see. treated at their I job, etc. And so uh, that's my understanding of how it went down. I haven't seen it. I, I guess if it if it pops on the uh, one of the streaming services that I uh, subscribe to, I'll watch it, but it's not something I'm going to go to the theater now. But then again, I haven't I haven't hustled over there. There are two movies out right now that I'd like to see. Yeah, Oppenheimer. One, Oppenheimer yeah. and Indiana Jones. Are you an Indiana Jones fan? No, not really. Really? Uh-uh. Why? I mean, what's I better know. than, you know, fantasy and Nazis and chasing the bad guys and history and all that stuff and snakes? It had to be snakes. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I've never really gotten into it. I do want to see Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, for the historical context of that and you know if you if you follow world events the nuclearization china is in the process now of a massive increase in their nuclear arsenal uh, that would, you know, put them on par with where the U.S. and, and what, Russia So they could is. destroy the world now, yeah. too, seven times well, over? Well, I mean, you've got the malign actors, you know, like Kim Jong-un in North Korea that have nukes. Iran, uh, in various stages, is probably pretty close if they're not already in nuclear power. And they're another malign actor. And, of course, India and, and Pakistan both have them. They don't like each other. Uh, so, you know, the, the whole nuclear world that we live in is uh, it's a scary thing well there's no doubt about it i'd like to see the movie uh chris nolan is the director and yeah. he's kind of known for a particular style of movies which uh some people really embrace and he's a cult hero to others find it to be a bit off-putting i don't know i'm i'm interested in the history like you said of it's a three-hour movie though. what we're gonna learn yeah and which means i probably are gonna wait till it shows up on my couch <laughs> well there you, <laughs> you go who <laughs> we got there we got Jeanette ready to go. Oh, Jeanette. Hello, Jeanette. Welcome to KMOX. Are you a uh, Barbie viewer, Morning. Jeanette? 
I wanted to let you know that my sister-in-law passed away, and she was a collector of Barbie dolls and every kind of toys. Yeah. There's an estate sale going on this weekend. I don't know where. It's out in West County, but she had 2,000 Barbie dolls. Did wow. You, what did you think of that? Did you Were you a Barbie person when you were younger? I was. My sisters had the Barbie dolls. I, I There was a space between myself and my two sisters, so I had the Tammy doll. Which Tammy. Was similar to Barbie, but I would play with their dolls. Sounds like, like somebody went to the discount store. Is that Tammy Faye Baker? Uh, I don't know. This was back in the 50s. <laughs> so, wow. Well, when did Barbie come? Barbie came out, what, in the 50s? 59. 59, yeah, I okay. I guess I was a little older when, yeah. you know, by then I, I was born in 52. So I, I take it you've not seen the movie, though, Jeanette? I have not, but my daughter has and her three girls have. And, and she's at the estate sale right now. All right. Out in West County somewhere, but I'm not sure. The well, name. folks, if you're out in West County, you just start knocking on doors because you might find 2,000 Barbies at one of those houses. Jeanette, thanks so much. Have yourself a good weekend. Here's some doors that uh, potentially <laughs> might have opened Barbies. in downtown St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, Larry Rice, uh, the new life evangelistic minister yeah. who's uh, been a, a hero and a warrior for homelessness inside the city of St. Louis has uh, applied to reopen his shelter not far from where I work, John Hancock. And uh, fortunately, the city of St. Louis yesterday denied him again. Uh, I, I'm not critical of the mission of uh, Larry Rice. I right. truly believe he wants to help those oh, I, I do too. who are homeless, etc. Um, but having been able to witness up close and personal for nearly 10 years of my life, what happened? It happens at Larry Rice's shelter. Uh, the rampant drug use, the the kicking folks out, the people that are just you know camping around. Folks, you know, he says that he wants to provide services to help people, uh, but ultimately, I think he's just prolonging uh, the situation and enabling a lot of these homeless folks. And plus, we got more money right now going into homeless services in St. Louis than than we've ever had. Uh, but I was uh, pleased to see that he was rejected. Any thoughts on Larry Rice? Well, you know, I'm a little more sympathetic to the day programming um, and not having the overnight shelter. But I do understand, and just because I know you and I know what you were had to, you had were to there. deal with, yeah, um, it would have to, you know, in order to allow something like that. And I am sympathetic to the mission there. Totally. And and I do think that Larry Rice and, and Ray Redlick, who we heard from at the top of the hour on our news here on KMOX, are, are sincere in their desire to help these folks that are truly the lowest and least among us. But there has to be some accommodation made for public safety, uh, public hygiene that uh, was not being handled pr previously. And that's probably the reason that the that it got rejected. Do we have a caller on the line over there, Drew? I don't have my call screener up. Yep. Tommy, you're on KMOX. Hey, Tommy. Hey, I saw, heard you guys uh, talking about the movies. Indiana Jones, must-see TV. you got to go right? see that show as soon as possible. Really? So he's he's 80 years old, right, in this movie? Yeah, and he, you he know what? He still has chops and he has it. Uh, he must be hanging out with Stacy's mom because he's got it going on. <laughs> oh, how about that? <laughs> Tommy, so, we appreciate that. Have, have a good weekend. Interesting. Guys. Kevin Wheeler gave me a different about, oh. read. Now, he had seen the previous uh, Indiana right. Joneses. And, you know, we grew up with Indiana Jones. I mean, that was right in my childhood. And so those movies were great to me. Um, and so maybe there's somewhat of that expectation that you're going to be able to relive 
what it was like when you saw those movies as a child, and it just never is going to add up that way. Yeah, uh, I do think, though, there's some something nice about having an octogenarian here. Oh, we're here we were talking about politicians who, you know, living into their 80s, and now you got this actor. That's why, you know, everybody is different. Yep. Uh, every person is different. They have different capacities at different ages at different times, and so... Uh, you know that that, but that was a good recommendation there from our caller. Hey, well, we've got to step aside right now. When we come back, we'll visit with Thane Rosenbaum, the CBS News legal analyst. He'll give us the latest on what's headed, uh, what was announced yesterday with President Trump's latest charges, and what potentially may be coming on the January six indictments. After this, right here on KMOX. Good Friday morning, Hancock and Kelly here with you. It's hot, hot, hot out there. Be careful. Drink water. Check on your neighbors. Make sure you bring in the puppy. We go now to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line, where we're joined by Thane Rosenbaum. He's the CBS News legal analyst. Thane, thanks so much for joining us on KMOX here in St. Louis. Good morning, Hancock. Good morning, uh, Kelly. We appreciate that. Uh, so we've um, wound up having three more indictments yesterday. Uh, that were issued against President Trump. Uh, they're called superseding indictments. What does superseding indictment mean, and what are those indictments? So, uh, Hancock, normally what happens is if there's an indictment, there's a period of time before the reading of the indictment and the actual trial. There's During that period of time, there can be all kinds of pretrial motions. For instance, you know, in the Donald Trump case, for the documents case, as you know, it was the trial is now scheduled for mid-May. That's a while. There's a lot of time that, that is in between that. And one of the things that can happen is that the prosecution can, can determine, you know what, there's more crimes here. We can add accounts. We can add additional crimes. And you know what, I think we just found another defendant. We just found someone else that can be added. So it's just a way of adding on either charges, counts, or other parties to the action. And that's exactly what it is. It supersedes. The other indictment, it's a new indictment, it added on. And what it did, okay. it added on new charges and it added on a new defendant. And those new charges are what? That he was conspiring to uh, do away with the security footage? Well, the first one, which is very significant, is that they added an additional document. Do you remember there were 37 counts, 31 dealt with the Espionage Act because it was the holding, man, mishandling of classified material. So they added one more. Now count 32 is an additional uh, document, and it appears to be the document. Do you remember the tr testimony that they had from one of the witnesses who said that at the New Jersey uh, Bedford uh, uh, Country Club, he was waving around a document that had to do with a military uh, attack on Iran. And then at some point he said on CNN, First of all, there was no such document. I was just waving some newspapers around. Uh, and if this is such a big deal, how come they don't produce that document? Well, guess what? They did. They ended up producing the very document that he apparently was waving around. And they added a new defendant, which is the maintenance man at Mar-a-Lago, uh, and his involvement and discussions with Donald Trump to uh, destroy, delete uh, security camera video footage that showed that they were moving documents from one location to another. So uh, Thane Rosenbaum is our guest, CBS News legal analyst. I was really interested in reading this indictment. So there, there's Trump employees, one, two, three, four, and five. Three, four, and five are not named in this. Uh, the, the maintenance man, Carlos de Oliveira, 
is now indicted along <clears throat> with Walt Nauta and, and President Trump. But these other three employees provided some, clearly they're cooperating with the special counsel, and they provided some very important information that informs these latest charges. One of the questions I have, and it may be unanswerable thing, but is it possible that the Justice Department was trying to get De Oliveira to cooperate with them so that they wouldn't have to charge him? And does that possibly explain the delay between uh, last month's indictment of Donald Trump and Walt Nada and then a full month plus later the addition of this uh, De Oliveira person? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no doubt what happened. Hey, and guess what? There's no guarantee that those other employees don't get indicted either, right? The question goes, how, how much are they cooperating? At this point, they're obviously cooperating enough that they weren't named. But the maintenance man, obviously, remember, there's, I think there's actually a testimony uh, transcript in which uh, Donald Trump says to his, uh, to his assistant, who's, who is an additional uh, co conspirator, he said, uh, will the maintenance man play ball with us, right? Sounds like out of a movie, right? It's just to say, can we trust the maintenance man to be with us and not to, and not to divulge any of this information? And at this point, apparently, uh, he hasn't. Uh, and there's no, there's, it, there's no reasonable doubt uh, that the government is still working on him. And they might say, you know what, do you really want to go down for your boss? Uh, why don't you just come over to this side and tell us what you know and acknowledge uh, what you know? So, yes, there's no doubt that uh, the others didn't are cooperating. He's not cooperating. Uh, Donald Trump has arranged to get him an attorney. And Donald Trump hopes that he will continue to uh, 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 deny the charges against against them. Well, the, I've heard com- conflicting um analyses of whether or not the addition of de Oliveira is going to prolong the start date of the trial. Some say that it could very well take the trial to the post-election period. Other analysts have said, nah, uh, you know, you're not really adding much, maybe a couple of weeks to when the, what the start date is. What's your sense of that? I think Jessima took a risk here, right? I mean, I think, remember, he wanted the trial in mid-December, which is just coming up, Right. Donald Trump wanted the trial after the election. Uh, the judge said, how about mid-May? Mid-May is after a first few of the primaries, but it's before the Republican convention. So it's right in the, right in the middle of the thick of things. Jackson took a chance. You know, the more, the more parties that are added to the indictment and the more charges that are being issued, uh, the more argument there will be, again, pre-trial motion. So now you have 32 documents that are going to be subject to all kinds of motions because remember, you know, the issue of the 32 documents is that they're classified and the other five uh, counts deal with other issues of obstruction, including this new obstruction, right? So they added one count to the classified documents and an additional, I think, two or three other counts to obstruction. What's the obstruction here? Well, the destruction and mutilation of documents and other materials, right? Uh, hiding documents and destroying the video footage. Uh, you know, it just subjects this case to many more potentials for pretrial motions. Uh, and those pretrial motions may actually extend the trial date itself. 
Wow, it's going to be fascinating to watch that trial. Hey, this yesterday this news broke while many of you uh, were sitting out in front of the courthouse expecting a January 6th indictment. Uh, is the thought process now there will not be a January 6th indictment, or is the indictment watch for that continuing? I have no idea. You know, this was such a fake-out yesterday. <laughs> you know, uh, everyone was looking for January 6th. Uh, it seemed imminent. Uh, and then the next thing you know, more documents are added to the Florida case, the document case. Uh, you might think to say, well, if they did that, that was so dramatic last night. They're not going to pull off, you know, the indictment today, uh, would they? I don't know. You know, it looks like Jack Smith is playing a game of, of, of chess uh, because I think there was a real, you know, fake out. Uh, he added on to this one. Uh, by the way, you know, at least for, for this entire time, I've always thought that the document case was much stronger than the January 6th. Me too. Right. Much stronger. So I thought all along when the documents case went first, you know what that meant? They weren't going to bring a January 6th case, mm-hmm. but they always knew that let's go with the stronger case, even though we're putting it in Florida. By the way, Florida's a risk for Jack Smith. Why? Sort of a red state, right? Donald Trump is popular in Fort Pierce comparatively. Uh, the case is the, the jury pool is better in Washington, D.C., so the fact that they went to Florida first suggested that they thought the evidence was simply better on documents. So all along, I, I didn't know they were doing this. I, I, the target letter that Donald Trump received pretty much guaranteed we are going to get an indictment in January 6th. The question is, is it January 6th for Jack Smith still the weaker case that he wants Donald Trump to be distracted by January 6th so that he pursues the stronger case in Florida? I think we're still going to get it, but we don't know when. I think that, you know, in, in this instance, what you're seeing around the country, you may get Georgia today, right? Get ready. Georgia may unload today. I heard something in the news last night that they were putting up barricades around the courthouse in Fulton County. So that's indicated something might happen. It does seem that prosecutors around the country are saying most of the time we don't like indicting people unless we're pretty sure we can win. I'm not sure that's the case with Donald Trump. It may, in fact, be that the indictment is the win. Keeping him busy, keeping him distracted, keeping him in courtrooms, you know, keeping him off guard is what they're focusing on. And the more counts, the more proceed criminal proceedings, the better. Well, the one thing we know for sure is we've never seen anything like this in the course of American history. Thane Rosenbaum, thank you so much for your time. CBS News legal analyst, we've got the news next on KMOX. Oh, Nelly, we got a hot one going on in here in the Studio B at the Voice of St. Louis. Uh, we've struck a nerve with our ace board operator, Drew, over here. Yeah, so we were talking about what we're going to talk about right now, which is we had a UFO uh, hearing, hearing that took place in the United States Congress. Yes, you heard it right, a UFO hearing. Oh, that's all um, the rage out there. Yeah. They're calling and them something else now. I, I don't think they're calling them I call them it a conspiracy theory or, you know, one of these weirdo theories. But, uh-huh. I, look, I understand the idea that we can't wrap our mind around the expanse of the universe and how selfish of us to believe that only this particular spot of dust in the universe is the only place that life exists. But the idea that, you know, all these uh, reports are coming up, but this is one of those things that kind of goes across party lines, right? Uh You know, when it comes to conspiracies, they're usually on one side or the other, but 
In this hearing, you had progressive Democrats and MAGA Republicans all interested in what's going on with UFOs. I think it's a bunch of nonsense. What do you say? Well, I yeah, I, I don't. My sense is if there were aliens among us, uh, the government would not be able to keep that a secret. Yeah, but how do you explain and, Christopher Walken? And, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's an excellent <laughs> point. Uh, you know, so, no, I don't think that uh, now uh, there's stuff that uh, – is there unexplainable stuff that people of have course. seen? In this, yes. The answer to that is yes. Uh, but Drew over here. Thanks. We're nuts. Not uh, believing that they're that they're here. Drew, you believe that there's aliens in, on on the planet right now? Uh, alive? No. But they said there was non-human biometrics. I think they used, and uh, I d- definitely think it's we possible. Got dead aliens. Yeah, but this is just one dude who you know maybe you know he had a bad acid trip in college, and that's part of what's affecting him. I mean, it's not like there's substantial evidence that that they they we have a craft and all this other stuff it's all these theories of area 58 you know 51 buddy 51. area 51 there you go <laughs> that's the other uh, area now, do you believe we landed on the moon i mean we talked about this last time i don't i don't think we landed on the moon but oh, Drew. i definitely think that we have craft and it's it's well, more like you have it. it's so, more the military so. verse like like the pentagon yeah. First Congress. That's why there it is. There's bipartisan so you think this support. is the military knows the some stuff that they're withholding from the rest of government. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Well, uh, and by the way, that's not a that's not a unique opinion. No, I've run into a lie. I had that. dinner earlier this night where somebody was telling me about some town in Missouri I'd never heard of. And at the end of the road, there's this white light, and everybody's seen it. I've oh, seen yeah. it. Oh yeah, we used to call that Hog Hollow back in high school. <laughs> We'd drive out there, and there was yeah. this mysterious <laughs> light out there. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, look off in the distance. What is that? What is Dan that? Dan Beckman and I. We uh, yeah. Now I got. I am confused by some of the videos we see. There are objects that are moving, unlike anything that we uh, had been able to create. Or believe is in physics is yeah, possible, right? But could it be a glitch in something that's causing it? I don't know, but I mean, we do have some video that shows it. It's oh, very there's stuff that people green. have seen that is not explicable, uh, at least to us, right? Uh, you know, could it be a military origin, perhaps? But I just look if if aliens had descended upon well, the planet. And by the way, you made a really interesting point today about the UFO sightings globally. Oh. Yeah, so on Twitter, I saw something that UFO sightings, and they had a heat map. Do you know what a heat map yeah, is? It shows how many, lights of right. where they're all in the United States and, and Europe. Western Europe. Yeah, there's nothing in Asia. There's nothing down in South America. Apparently, the aliens only want to go to the, you know, the uh, democracies. <laughs> yes, sir? So I was actually talking about this yesterday. Do you, that might come down to climate. Like, if... Say we went to a different planet, we would try to find somewhere to land that's like our ecosystem. Yeah, you know these. You know our government couldn't spot a weather balloon uh, that went over our entire country. I mean, but you think it. that they've got a giant cover up on space machines that, that have come here? Yes. You, do you uh, understand why people may think oh, what's wrong with Drew? Well, look, we knew I, the I, weather balloon was here, though. I guarantee be, you that there honest. are people listening to us now that think you and I are all wet, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and so, but I, yeah. What, what's your, but my basis is I do believe there probably is life. Could I mean, well be. Could Earth be a coincidence? Surely. But 
when we see what, ha- what, what every day when we see these photos of the expanse of this universe, mm-hmm. I think it's selfish and naive to think that the only microbionic, uh, you know, life on the in the universe is right here on this planet. I don't believe that. Well, I don't know, uh, but I do know when you when you look up and contemplate the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you how you come away from that thought time without having an understanding that there must be a creator right. of all of this. Well, something started and, it. It, it. Yes. Right. And, and I don't think it's happenstance, and I don't think, you know, a single cell and a floating around in a swimming pool developed into all of this. So, By know. the way, I'm open to there being aliens, and goodness gracious, I hope they show up, because the reason I hope they show up is I think it would be the one thing that would actually unite the Earth Rather than us in this constant struggle well, they, with here and there and you and me and black and white and, and blah, got, blah, blah, And if they got here, we might have somebody to pick up the trash in the city. Nothing like a good well, alien uh, uh, picking up the trash for well, you. Well, they, they, they trash trucks are not spotted as lo- as much as aliens are uh, in this country, uh, unfortunately, here in the city of St. Louis. <laughs> well, so, we got to so, step. Did you? I know you were at that miserable soccer game. I'm not miserable. Yeah, I, yeah. Shouldn't, I shouldn't be pretty It was a good soccer game, but yes, we were horrible. We lost to the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Club uh, America. Club America. There. But uh, the baseball game last night, Miles oh. Michaelis gets tossed out in the first inning. And I couldn't believe it. I, was, I saw it happen. I couldn't believe it. And I listened to the announcers cover it. Uh, our own John Rooney and Ricky Horton covered it. Uh, and then this morning, I got to wondering, I wonder how the Chicago announcers handled the same incident. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to play them back-to-back? Yeah, we are. That'll be fun. That's next on KMOX. That would be our good friend Dave Matthews. I'm getting ready to hop an airplane here shortly to go see him. What? Don't forget you're, you can. You're see getting out of town. I am. Don't forget you can see the Hancock and Kelly show Sunday morning on Fox Two right here in St. Louis. And John, it'll be the Hancock and Gesto show. Yeah, the tonight. Um, but uh, what an exciting game last night at the ballpark, huh? Well, Ooh. it started out exciting. So let's set the stage. First inning, first two batters. We're out. Miles Michaelis on the mound for the Cardinals. Of course, it's the Cubs' only visit to St. Louis this whole season because we had the series in London earlier. We got Rob. Ian Happ, who's been a been a real thorn in the Cardinals' side his entire career. He's not having a great season, but he always seems to do well against us. He swings and misses a pitch and pops Wilson Contreras, the Cardinal catcher, on the side of the head, knocks him over, knocks his mask off. Contreras, unable to... Uh, to continue in the game, had to come out because Hap couldn't control his bat. Well, the next pitch from Michaelis was up and in, in tight. Uh, and the next pitch from Michaelis hits Ian Hap in the butt. And he takes first base. Everybody knows what's going on. It's, you know, it's a little tit for, tit tat. for tat. And it's baseball. Uh, the umpires convene, and they kick out Miles Michaelis. So that's the underlying facts. Here's how the St. Louis announcers, John Rooney and Rick Horton, told us what was happening. Miles Michaelis has been kicked out of the game. That's ridiculous. That's taking it too far. Unbelievable. Ricky, I'm stunned. Well, it, it, it's it's very unfortunate. I understand why Miles uh, did what he did, and he's protecting his catcher. He's protecting his team. So there you have it. And that was my reaction. I couldn't believe. They kicked the guy out. And then I got to thinking, you know, our politics is so divided. And you get the <laughs> Trump indictment came out yesterday. 
uh, the superseding indictment, and the folks on the left were, you know, all a fluffle over over it. And so many Republicans came out and said, just nothing to see here. They saw the exact opposite event right. occur. And I said, I wonder if that happens in baseball. So here's how the Cubs television announcers, Jim Deshays and his partner, handled the Miles Michaelis ejection. Michaelis goes <laughs> inside with one at 94. Intent? Probably not, but right. maybe. Definitely. Wow, that's huh? weak. That's some weak sauce there. That's really weak. I mean, there's nothing intentional about what Ian did. Wilson took no umbrage. You saw him hug. And that's just that's just dumb, really. I mean, to me, I feel like they're I, I'm not advocating, but if they were to throw him out of the game here. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah, that might be what they're discussing. That was clearly intentional. I think clearly intentional. Maybe that's a guy who doesn't want to pitch on a hot night. He's gone. They threw him out. Yeah. Yep. So there you have it, folks. They, <clears throat> the same event looked at through the prism of your own hometown. And Jim Deshays was a big league pitcher. He knows better than that. Yeah. Uh, but you're looking at the event through your own little spectacle. But, and isn't that isn't that the very definition of where this culture is right now? Totally. Uh, we all seeing the same things quite differently. Now, I have an even more nuanced take. Yeah. I didn't see it live. Obviously, I was sweating at uh, the soccer game. City Park. At uh, City Park. But um, uh, I thought it didn't look that bad. Um, it was clear that he was trying to throw at him. Had he hit him on the first pitch, I'd have thought, yeah, that's okay. And then when he, when he came back a second time, it took him two pitches to hit him. <laughs> Maybe that's part of yeah. the problem. And so, but I also understand that Major League Baseball doesn't want any of this anymore, which I, you know, it's probably traditional, just like yourself. I think you mentioned something to me about Mr. Uh, Gibson. And oh, his my grave. gosh. If, if Bob Gibson. Uh, Bob Gibson wouldn't have hit the guy in the butt. Okay? <laughs> He'd have hit him right in the ribs, and it would have been right under his armpit is where Bob Gibson would have hit him, and it would have been a fastball at about 98 miles an hour. And uh, and and then and then Gibson would glare at him as he walked to first base. That's yeah. that's baseball. And, but I, uh, I had no problem that they threw him out. And I thought Miles Michaelis' interview afterwards, he essentially said, well, you know, I may have hit him, but uh, it is what it is. You know, everybody understood what was happening. They did. Everybody but the umpires. Oh, well, and apparently the broadcasters for the Cubs. <laughs> right, exactly. I just, I found that when I listened to that clip, I thought, this is this is where we are. Do you think that uh, intensifies the heat, if you will, on the rest of this series? Well, I mean, this I is mean, a long the one. Cardinals we got four are out games. of it. I, yeah. So I mean, are the Cubs. Trade that, well. They're terrible, too. They, they, yeah, I mean, in the Central Division, the Cubs may not be out of it, but... Uh, at least they may think they're. Do, do you not think it, it it sparked that rivalry that we all know that really has languished in the last couple of years as the Cubs have been terrible? Yeah, I would. The Cubs were good not too long ago, and no, that rivalry will always be there. But I don't want to. I don't want the show to get away without mentioning because I love baseball so much. Oh, here we go. Shohei Otani. Did you see what he did? The the man is superhuman. He throws a one hit complete game shutout in the first game of a doubleheader. That's pretty impressive. Right. Uh, it's incredibly impressive. You, first of all, you see very few complete games anymore. Right. And, yeah, exactly. And he throws a nine-inning complete game, shutout win. He comes up in the second game of the doubleheader as a DH. He hits two home runs in the second game of a doubleheader. Never done before 
in the history of baseball. I believe we may be watching. Yeah, the greatest baseball player of all time. To ever live yeah. in our lifetimes. Now, that's saying, I mean, that's saying a lot, you know. Selfishly, I know he's on the trade block. Uh, it sounds like he's going to stay in uh, Anaheim. Anaheim mm-hmm. And it sounds like his desire is to play on the West Coast. But I think the majority of us in the country are getting cheated that so that he plays on the West Coast because their games are so late. They start at 9 o'clock. And it doesn't get the national media attention. Yeah, and we're missing out on watching, well, arguably the two best players in baseball right now. Yeah, Trout, who's injured at the the moment. Uh, But Otane, now, can he keep it up? Can he sustain it? This is his third full season doing both. And, you know, to, to say that he's the greatest ball player of all time, he's not there yet. But if he keeps doing the kinds of things he's doing that you've never seen done before in the history of the sport, it's uh, you could make a very strong case that he's the greatest of all time. Please be safe out there in this heat. Let's go Cardinals. Let's try to finish this out in some type of a respectable fashion before we get rid of him. All and of them. if you run into an alien out there, ask him what they're doing for a living. <laughs> uh, maybe we could use him in the city to pick up the trash. <laughs> hey, Chris and Amy are next on The Voice of St. Louis. Game of X.